Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, as we kick off today, I was reading the interesting story about Queen Victoria, who ruled the British Empire for 63 years, just to take you back from 1837 to 1901. And her reign was a record until her great-great-granddaughter, Queen Elizabeth II, broke it. And uh, shortly after taking the throne, the Queen met a young man, Francis Albert August Charles Emmanuel. And she fell head over heels in love with him. And he was quite a romantic man. And so they set off on this wonderful journey. And finally, they got married. And uh, she was deeply in love with him. And she puts this entry in her diary on her wedding day and says the following. I never, never spent such an evening. My dearest, dearest, dear Albert. His excessive love and affection gave me feelings of heavenly love and happiness I never could have hoped to have felt before. He clasped me in his arms and we kissed each other again and again. His beauty, his sweetness and gentleness. Really, how can I ever be thankful enough to have such a husband? To be called by names of tenderness I have never heard used to me before was bliss beyond belief. Oh, this was the happiest day of my life. Well, a lot of romance there on the wedding day and he was very romantic and obviously they went on to have nine children and they were married for 21 years when sadly Prince Albert contracted typhoid fever and he passed away and Queen Victoria did not cope with that very well and uh, it was a profound time of grief for her. Uh, The widow of Windsor really left the palace and wore only black for the rest of her life and even slept with her husband's pajamas in her arms and, uh, and struggled to go on from there. And uh, they say that Queen Victoria died in uh, 1901, but she stopped living the day Albert died in 1861, 39 years before. Sad, sad thing. And you know, if we live long enough, all of us will face illness and sadness and death and pain and uh, we've got to know how to manage it. Clearly, Queen Victoria had a faith in God. She was a Christian woman, but she didn't know how to trust God and keep believing when she went through grief and loss. And we've got to learn the skills when we go through times of devastation, devastation and loss, we've got to learn how to keep believing despite somewhat of a defeat. You know, Job lived through a devastating time and yet he kept believing despite loss and sickness. Let me just remind you what Job says in Job 16. He says, yet if I speak, my pain is not relieved. And if I refrain, it does not go away. Those of you that have headaches, you know what it's like. It's just there all the time. Sickness, it's there all the time. And then he says, surely God, you have worn me out. You have devastated my entire household. Living through devastating times is not easy. And I want us to do what Job did. What many people in the Bible have done is I want us to keep believing despite defeat. That's the title of today's message. Keep believing 
despite defeat. You know, when you have a defeat or a serious illness like Job had, like many people in the Bible had, and we in a moment are gonna read a classic passage of scripture, very well known, so don't switch off, about two people who face devastation through sickness. And we have to keep believing. Even when we come to that place, they teach us how to do it. And I'm gonna just deal with three simple things they did today but I think they're going to be profound as we unpack the scriptures because God always speaks in a profound way when we read his word. So let's go to the text today where we see these impossible situations that they faced and let's discover the God of the impossible that we can trust for our lives today. In Mark chapter five and verse 22, we're going to read about two people. And as soon as I start reading, you'll catch who they are. It says, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Little daughter, he says. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Don't know if you realize the sickness had devastated her, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Hold on to that thought. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. And he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear. She told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, Jairus called his, his daughter, little daughter, but here was a another daughter. And he says, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Well, Jesus was still speaking. He hasn't finished his sentence. It says, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, your daughter is dead, they said. Talk about negative report. Why bother the teacher anymore? Notice that word, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Can you see that we mustn't stop believing when we face defeat? Here, both people kept believing, although they stared defeat in the face. And it says he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, while this commotion and wailing, the child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went into where the child was. Now, I want you to notice this. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. And he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Two lives here completely devastated by illness. Uh, one had spent all her money, medical bills piled up and frustration because she just didn't get better. 
Maybe you're like that today or you know people in your family or friends who face the same thing. They're staring defeat from an illness in the face and yet Jesus is available. And then there's this, this young child, uh, illness and then an early death. Bad news in the life of any parent. And you know, right now we're facing illness and death. People's lives are being devastated and we must not stop believing despite seeing defeat right before us. And here we see how they dealt with it. And uh, you know, medical science has improved. You read it in, in the Bible and you think, oh, well, that was then. Medical science has improved, things have got better. We've got all sorts of vaccines, but people are still suffering from COVID-19. People are still dying. Thankfully, the death rate is coming down. Cancers are still uh, uh, ravaging our world and devastating people's lives. And so this story can speak to us and can help us. And uh, we can learn what they did and apply it in our lives. Three simple things today. The first two will be quite quick. And I'll spend a little bit of time on the third one because we do need to pay attention to it just a little bit more. Number one, and it is so simple, what they did and what we need to do when staring defeat in the face is trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Jesus. You can know about Jesus, but whether you put your trust in him and lean upon him is another matter altogether. Both a woman with the issue of blood and Jairus trusted Jesus fully and kept believing despite staring defeat in the face. And this is a long-standing illness the woman had 12 years. Also, it's a young illness, just a 12-year-old girl. It really moves our hearts. And both had heard about Jesus and I came and trusted in Jesus. Here was an average woman and a synagogue ruler. Doesn't matter where you are and the status in society, both can trust him and people can come to him no matter who they are and lean on him and depend on him. And here this woman trusted Jesus and even risked her life. She was considered unclean, couldn't go into the city and be amongst people, had to wear a cloth over her face. And yet she comes and risks everything because she so trusts, so believes that he can heal her, that she'll wade her way through the crowd, crawling on the ground even, and making sure she gets in touch. Jairus also fully trusts that Jesus can do something. He had heard about him, but now he trusts him. And he comes all the way there, even though he's a dignified man, a religious man, you know, the culture and the religious people of the day were against Jesus, but he comes and he declares trust. You can do it, come lay your hands on her. And they cultivated faith in the face of defeat. And today, we have to do exactly the same. Such a simple thing from that passage, trust Jesus. You can know Jesus, but you've got to trust Jesus today. Both of them did it, and we can learn from them when staring defeat in the face. You know, Queen Victoria was a Christian. Sadly, she knew the Lord, but she didn't know how to trust Jesus for healing in her life when her husband died of typhoid. And sadly, her life was a bit of a misery going forward because even though she knew about Jesus, she was probably saved, but she didn't trust him for her situation right there. We need to apply the principle of trust no matter what we are facing. Number two, the second thing we see that they did was they, they troubled Jesus. And what I want you to do today is trouble Jesus. They bothered him 
if you like. When the woman touched him, she troubled him. In fact, so much so that Jesus asked, who touched me? And the disciples were incredulous. The people are pressing around you and you ask who touched me. But he says, you know what? I sense someone is trusting me, but someone is troubling me. When they pulled on my garment, it was a different pull to just a touch. And I sense that faith and I sense that trust and I'm responding to it. And so many are bumping and touching him and wanting to see him and are curious, but some are troubling him and saying, Lord, I need you. Jairus did the same. He came into the crowd, many people there, but troubled Jesus and trusted him and asked him to come and heal his daughter. You know, it's so easy to, to give up. And, and what they said to Jairus was this, why bother the teacher anymore? In other words, why trouble him anymore? There's no point. But you know what? He says, I'm going to keep trusting him and I'm gonna keep bothering him until I get what I need. I'm not just gonna give up and accept it. I'm gonna trust God and I'm gonna bother Jesus. I'm gonna trouble him and I know I'm going to receive. Maybe today you've settled down and you, you know, well, I'm a Christian, I know Jesus, I know the Bible and you know, I've got a settled in good faith. You are like Queen Victoria, maybe you're like that, but you need to go beyond. If you're facing devastating times and you want to live through them, you're gonna to have to really say, I trust you, Lord. Then you have to begin to trouble him and begin to get a hold of him and, and, and make sure that he does something in your life. And here both Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood are staring defeat in the face. They keep believing and they keep bothering Jesus. You remember a woman, a Syrophoenician woman in Mark chapter seven came to Jesus or troubled Jesus for healing for her daughter. You, you remember the story says that she came and the disciples asked Jesus to ask her to go away. And then Jesus said to her, I've been sent to the Jewish people first, but she kept on and kept on. And you know what Jesus saw when she came troubling him? He saw beyond that, she was actually trusting him. And she came trusting, she came troubling, and he said, daughter, your faith is great and he gave her her request. And we need to keep troubling Jesus if we want healing when we're staring defeat in the face. Don't just accept that you've received the situation. Keep believing despite defeat. And you know what you have to do? Trust, trouble, but now we come to number three. Touch Jesus. They touched Jesus. How simple is this message today? But it can be profound if you apply it. And the woman with the issue of blood, notice here, she didn't ask for prayer. Jesus didn't even know who she was, but she touched him. She said, if I but touch his garments, I will be made well. And everything she lacked, she got. All she couldn't do, she received. And all she couldn't find, she found that day. And all her weakness and sickness and poverty was gone from one touch of his garments. And she was healed through a touch. When Jairus went with Jesus into the house, you'll remember he went up to the girl and he didn't begin to pray. The Bible says he took her by the hand and he lifted her out of the bed and it was his touch that healed that little girl of 12 years old. You know, I don't know what it is, but why is it that we think we need to pray long prayers and fast for seasons and, and, and you know, have great discipline, then maybe God will heal us. I think it's simply trusting. It's troubling him and not letting go, but then getting a touch of his hand. 
And you'll notice many times in the scripture that Jesus uh, didn't, didn't pray for people. He actually just touched them. And, and the key thing here is we've got to get close. And I was studying Mark's gospel and realized this as I read many, many passages. Jesus went into the home of Peter and Peter's mother-in-law was ill with a fever. The Bible says in Mark's gospel, not that he prayed for her, but it says here in Mark chapter one, uh, so he went to her, took her hand and helped her up and the fever left her and she began to wait on them. Now that's exactly what Jesus did for Jairus' daughter. He took her by the hand and lifted her up. It was his touch that actually healed. You'll remember as we go through Mark's gospel, there was a man that was a leper and he asked Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. In Luke chapter five, it says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Luke makes it clear that Jesus just touched him. We go on through Mark and it says, wherever he went into villages, towns and countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. Mark chapter seven, there were some people brought to him a man who was deaf and he could hardly talk and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue and the man was healed. Can you see, they even understood it was his touch that healed in chapter eight and verse 22. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, then the man saw. Can you see this is a principle? The touch of Jesus is so important. We've got to trust him, we've got to trouble him, but we've also got to touch him today. In Luke chapter 22, when Jesus was arrested in the garden, Peter took out his sword and cut off the servant of the high priest's ear. And we read in Luke chapter 22, but Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. You know, in Mark chapter 10, as Jesus uh, dedicates children, what we notice there, it simply says that he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. We pray for children in church and we dedicate them with a prayer, but Jesus just put his hands on them and the son of God in whom dwelt the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form flowed out and brought healing to those people and brought power into the lives of those children. You know, when the paralytic man was brought into the midst of Jesus, he didn't pray for him either. He simply said, your sins are forgiven. And that presence of God, that touch of Jesus was enough to heal him. You know, the demon possessed man, let me go a little bit further. When they came down the mountain, the disciples and the people were arguing. And Jesus said this, he said, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. And then it says he spoke to the man and he was healed. So Jesus didn't pray and fast but he'd been in the presence of the Father. He had been praying. He had been full with all the fullness of the Godhead. And when he came, his presence healed. And you know, today we have Jesus who has ascended and he has said, I'm going to the Father and I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. And so today in his place, we have the fullness of the Godhead in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when you get ill, you need to get a touch of God and a touch of the Holy Spirit. That's what will bring healing. Too often we rely on people. We look for a man of God at some tent meeting or church meeting or some special place with some special anointing. But actually Jesus is the healer. You remember when he sent his disciples out, he told them, go and cast out demons and heal the sick in my 
name. The 70 came back and they said, man, we, we saw demons come out of people in your name. And, and they were impressed because they didn't have the power. We don't have it in us, even as leaders and pastors, but Jesus has it. And when we come to him or we lay hands on the sick on his behalf, we can expect the touch of God. But our focus must be on the Holy Spirit behind the person so that we can fully expect healing in our lives. You know, if you're facing defeat today, keep believing, keep trusting, keep troubling, but seek a touch, seek his presence, seek his power, seek the Holy Spirit to strengthen you in your life and you'll be able to get through difficult times. Here's the principle and the promise made clear by James. And I've quoted this verse numerous times over the many years, but stay with me here today. James chapter four and verse eight. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Isn't that what these two people did? The woman with the issue and Jairus, they came near, they got close to get a touch and we need to come near. And as the, the closer we come, the nearer he comes and then his presence begins to flood into our lives and we begin to experience his power. I mentioned the disciples going out in Luke chapter 10 and, uh, and, and, and laying hands on people and saying, you know, uh, in his name, we are here to heal. But I want you to notice something else that ties up with James uh, chapter four. It says in Luke 10, uh, this is Jesus sending the 70 out and giving instructions. He says, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Don't be a person that is demanding and a celebrity. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Isn't that amazing? In the person of those men, he had come near, why? Because they had the authority of Jesus. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town, we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Can you see, Jesus can come near, but you can miss it. They came near and they could have healed people, but if they rejected it, they would have wiped the dust off their feet. And we've got to make sure that today we draw near because Jesus is here in, in the form of the Holy Spirit, in the third part of the Godhead. And now if we draw near, he'll draw near. You can trust him, you can trouble him in prayer, but you need to also touch him because when you get a touch from God, something different happens in your life. Imagine if Queen Victoria had sought a touch from the Lord. She had sought salvation, the principles. She had lived a godly life, ruled with godly principles, but she'd never sought a touch from God. Maybe she didn't know it in her church experience, in her theology. If she had had that, she would have lived a fulfilling life instead of 39 years in defeat after the illness of her husband. In Ephesians 5, it reminds us as I begin to move to a close today, don't live like fools, it says, but like those who are wise. Well, how do wise people live? Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days, devastating days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, so you don't use that as a coping mechanism when you're facing defeat. Oh, life is so hard. I'm just gonna have a couple of drinks. And No, 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 he says this, because that will ruin your life. And then he says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the touch of God we need when we face illness and we face defeat. We've got to keep believing despite defeat. Now, as I, as I begin to wrap up here, I'm not gonna be long. 
This is what is interesting. Jesus, after being touched by the woman with the issue of blood, turns around and asks, who touched me? And they, they find it quite incredulous. But here's the reason why he asked her to come out, why he called her out in front of everybody. What he wanted to do was not rebuke her and say to her, how dare you just touch me? How dare you trouble me? He wanted her to give testimony of what had happened so that God got the glory. And so she told the story. I've spent all my money. You know, I, I've, I've only got worse. And I believed if I touch you, and that's what I did. And so everybody got to hear it, and we got to hear it, and we can use it today. And you know, I decided today to tell you my story because there's a number of things that have happened to me in my life where I faced defeat, where I didn't accept it. And I decided, man, I've got to get a touch from God. I trust Jesus. I'm gonna trouble the Lord in prayer, but I'm gonna get a touch of God on me. That's how I'm gonna keep going. You know, way back in 2018, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer and it was stage two. And they didn't quite know if it had got into my bones yet because when it penetrates the prostate and gets into the bones, then it gets into the blood, it can be very serious. And it was quite a shock to me being diagnosed with that condition. Uh, a year before, I'd had an enlarged prostate and I'd had to go in for a major op and I trusted God and prayed about it. And it, it was quite a serious operation. I carried on running church and preaching, but I wasn't allowed to travel. One of my friend's son uh, was killed by lightning on a, on a campsite and I desperately wanted to go and be with him and be at the funeral, loved him and his son, but I couldn't go because of that op. And here I am being diagnosed with cancer, prostate cancer. Not only was the diagnosis devastating, someone in our church who had begun to attend a few months earlier didn't know they had cancer. They were diagnosed, it was too far gone and they had died. So it was quite devastating to hear that and I was quite shocked. You know, I didn't know, could I carry on preaching? Could I continue with my ministry? What would I do? What would happen to Pastor Vilma? My family, was, was, was everything in place? What would happen to our campuses and our church? And you get stunned because now you're facing defeat, but I had to keep on believing. I had to continue doing what I was doing, trusting God, preaching the gospel, trusting Jesus, troubling Jesus, but I needed a touch of God. And so I went in, they operated, they did radiation, they did all sorts of treatment. I kept preaching the gospel, kept coming to church, kept running services. Some of you are saying, when did this happen? It's because you don't play victim. You don't accept defeat. You don't lie down and gather everyone around you. Shame poor me. No, you trust Jesus, you trouble Jesus, and then you get a touch from Jesus, which enables you to live at a different level to average people when you're facing devastating times. And God came through, he touched my life. I've learned to rely on the Holy Spirit and depend on his power. Every morning, get up and, and draw near to God so that he can draw near to you. You pray and you can sense the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So no matter what happens, you know God's presence, you know God's power. And I've learned from these passages, you trust. You trouble, but you touch. All of us need a touch from God. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what your family's facing. All I know is illness is ravaging and devastating our world. Our church has faced death and loss and illness, but we need to trust. We need to trouble Jesus. Make sure we don't just settle down and say, oh well, and then seek a touch of his hand on our lives. 
Maybe you've been devastated by financial difficulties. Maybe your business has been devastated. Maybe your life has been devastated by sin because sometimes when you drop your God, sin enters in and it can ravage your life and ruin your life. But guess what? You come back and you trust. Then you trouble Jesus, Lord, deliver me, help me overcome. But then you seek his touch daily and his presence begins to push sin back and you begin to live in the righteousness of God. I wanna close by telling you a story that encourages us to keep believing despite defeat. You'll remember during the Second World War, the Germans invaded Poland and they completely destroyed Warsaw. When they first entered, the Polish resistance was incredibly strong and the Polish resistance killed 20,000 Nazis. That's how determined they were. However, the Germans reacted badly and as a result, they began to bomb Warsaw. They killed 150,000 people and they destroyed 90% of all the buildings. The city was left devastated. But you know, the Polish bounced back and they determined that even though they were facing defeat, they believed that they could go on. And they discovered the paintings of an Italian artist uh, by the name of Bernardo Bellotto. And he painted during the 1700s, 1722 to 1780. And they used those paintings and they took them to different parts of the city and began to use them to rebuild Warsaw. They'd look at the painting and then they'd reconstruct the buildings. One of the most famous is known as the Visitationist Church, which they looked at the painting and then they looked at the ground where it used to be and they rebuilt it and you can see it today. Quite a marvelous thing. So out of devastation, they kept believing and they had a blueprint and they had a picture of what it could look like. And they rebuilt the city and rebuilt the church. And you know what church, as I close today, we have a blueprint. There's devastation through illness, financial loss through sin in our world, but we've got a blueprint, it's called the Word of God. And if we follow it and we hold on to its promises and we get a touch from Jesus, we can rebuild our lives and rebuild the church. And that's what I want you to do today, to keep believing despite facing defeat. As I close in prayer today, I want you to join me in prayer. And I want you to realize something important. Every person has a blood disease, not just the woman with the issue of blood, all of us have a blood disease. It runs in our blood and it's called sin. And all of us are going to die, maybe not at 12 years old, but all of us will eventually die like Jairus' daughter because sickness, sin, and death is in our lives. But you know what? Jesus came so that he could remove it and we need to trust him. We need to trouble him today for salvation. We can't do it once we die. And we need a touch of his hand because when you put your trust in him, and you trouble him for salvation, he touches you by his Holy Spirit and he assures you that you are saved and you can experience that today, no matter where you are, even if you're a good person, you need the touch of Jesus' hand on your life. He is your savior and your Lord and the only one through whom you can have eternal life. If you'd like to pray with me, Join me on the screen. We always bring up the prayer as I pray so that you can read it and you can pray that prayer and you can experience the salvation and the touch of Jesus that you need on your life. Come, let's pray together. Pray like this, Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ in whom lived the fullness of the Godhead in body form. Thank you today that I have him as Lord and Savior and I put my trust in him today 
and I trouble him literally for salvation. I say, Lord, I need you. And Lord Jesus, today, I want to touch you. Would you touch my life? Would you seal me with the Holy Spirit as a sign of my salvation? I give you my heart and I give you my life and I trust you for my future. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 